This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. And I'm here in the ACAR studios, um, the lovely ACAR studios, with my friend and colleague and journeyman, <laughs> footballing Jer- German. Journeyman yeah. midfielder. Yeah. Uh, midfield general, mm. Jim Daly. Thank I you forgot your name. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, and uh, can take the opportunity to wish you a Merry Christmas. Yes. This is our last pod before, before Christmas. before. We're going to have a little break over Christmas, because yeah. we've worked so hard. Yeah, and there's there's a Christmas tree on the table here. For there is. A very small one. Yeah, I think it looks artificial as well. I don't think yeah. it's real. Well, well, you know, we'll just, I'll just go with the spirit of it. Um, it's a nice touch. It is a nice touch. Uh, are you feeling Christmassy? Not yet, actually, no. Mm. No, it's been late this year. Sometimes it comes... I think... Do you know what? I went into our local shop the other day. I tweeted this, and they had mini eggs. Oh, I love mini eggs. Mini eggs are year-round No, no. Food, they had Giles. Cadbury's cream eggs, mini eggs. It was Easter. Basically, it was Easter promotion. Oh, oh it was... What? Really? Yeah. Mm, it was like Easter was trolling Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that Someone somewhere in that shop has got something wrong there, and they've looked at the wrong... F- Folder. Well, they've obviously ordered the stock and it's come in. <laughs> it's like, screw it, we'll just sell it now. Out, yeah. No one will notice. Yeah. To be fair, I did buy two cream eggs. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> well, they're lush. Brilliant. They <laughs> are. Yeah, they are oh. good. They are good. Um, but yeah, it is nearly uh, it is nearly Christmas, so I hope our listeners are feeling Christmassy. And um, we've got a bit of an early Christmas present. We, we have. Yeah, in the form of the legendary, I can't quite believe he's on the pod, actually. Yeah. John Bradley. It's John Bradley from yeah. the the one of the standout stars from Game of Thrones. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, and we're very very lucky to have John come and speak to us. And uh, this is a really 
forensic podcast. This is really, I was just saying to him off air actually, I've got, so, I got, in terms of all the actors we've had on, I think I learned the most from this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, just, yeah. He really went into detail um, about a lot of the things that he struggles with and sort of tries to take away from, from ro- put into roles and stuff. It's fascinating. Yeah, and John is clearly an incredibly bright person and, yeah. um, you know, um, has got, is able to express himself very, very clearly. And um, I, I, like you, I took a lot away from this podcast. Yeah, it was fascinating. It was really, really good. And it's quite a lengthy one as well. I think hour and a half in yeah. the end. So it's like a bumper Christmas present. It is. For our listeners. Should we stop teasing it and just yeah, let them listen to it? Yeah, okay, go. Uh, this is uh, John Bradley on The Blank Podcast. <laughs> John Bradley, welcome to the Blank Podcast. Thanks for having me. Nice it's, to be here. Yeah. It's wonderful to have you here. It's and a cold day today, isn't it? It's, it's really freezing, cold, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little bit sniffly, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a mixture of the kind of change of weather and also just I think I've, had, I've, I've, I've I kind of had the first half of the year quite relaxed and then the second half been really busy and chock-a-block and kind of all over the place. And I think as soon as you allow your body to rest, yeah. that adrenaline yeah, dissipates, does, and I it? always... But it's nice this year because I've got enough time for the illness <laughs> to kind of fade away before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, so I'm not going to be ill at Christmas, yeah. fingers crossed. But I've just got to prepare myself for a few days of laying low, I think. Well, if you're, does that affect your work? If you're, like, sniffly or, like, scratchy throat or something? Does that get in the way of work, or do you uh, learn to sort of deal with it? I, I, as long as I'm working, the kind of adrenaline gets me through it, I think. I think I, I, I've, I've never kind of had to have a day off or anything, but I think, yeah, as soon as your body shuts down, the illness says, yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been kind of bubbling I've been all this time. Yeah. Here I yeah. am. And you've had so much on your mind that you've kind of not registered that I'm there. Yeah. But now that I can come to the forefront of things, I'm just going to dominate your life for the next <laughs> Yeah. <few> <laughs> <laughs> so jumping out there and shouting. Yeah. 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 Hello. Well, I guess when you're doing, like, you're <clears> doing late night shoots and stuff like that, you are going to be, like, just running on empty a little bit of the time. Yeah. And, 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 it's just that it's just the sense of of the 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 pressure of it, and you know what having a day off would mean for that yeah, yeah. schedule and that production and all the money that they're probably wasting having to reschedule stuff. So you're just not allowed, and your body kind of knows that you're not allowed to yeah. be ill. Then as soon as you're allowed, it really, <laughs> it really goes in with with two feet on it. <laughs> yeah, two feet <laughs> studs up on the yeah. knees. Yeah. So my impression of actors is that you're just like constantly tired. Because yeah. you, when you're if you're doing long shoots and stuff, it must just be a quite a tiring profession. It's it's certainly tiring in terms of you know the kind of nuts and bolts stuff of the long days. But I just think it's quite tiring to hold that amount of information in your mind. I I always find that that I I really get obsessive about little tiny details of the script or little tiny bits of timing mm. and. And, you know, little tiny facial things that I want to try out. And because they come so instinctive to you the mm. first time you think of them, that's as free and natural as it's going to get. And then after that, you just obsess about recreating it. And, you know, certain people are, you know, everybody's different on set. Like no, no two actors are kind of the same in terms of their process. Some people have to, you know, shut themselves away and other people can be more sociable and other people can literally just turn it on, turn on a sixpence and go from being you know, the most gregarious person in the room into something quite sort of dark sometimes. The switch can be quite alarming sometimes. Yeah. But but I have to, because I obsess about these moments of timing, 
I'm just usually on my own, just muttering and mumbling to myself. And it must look kind of strange. People, people think I'm talking to them. And they're like, pardon? And so, no, 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 sorry, I'm not, no, talking, to, uh, yeah. I'm not talking to you. I'm just literally going over this sentence over and over again in my mind, sometimes overthinking about it until it just becomes meaningless. Yeah. But I think, I think having just that, because, because of course when you film scenes on, on a movie, you're filming the same minute and a half, two minutes all day. Yeah. So just to have a tiny thing in your mind for all that time, it is quite exhausting to try and keep it fresh and keep it at the, at the front of your brain and keep it in the moment. Yeah. And sometimes I just wish I was one of those actors that could be more, you know, just, just kind of arrive to set sort of with nothing. Yeah. Just arri- campus, arrive, yeah. arrive knowing the words, but just, allow, but just allow themselves to be instinctive enough in the moment where we'll just see what happens and I'll just do it and see what comes out. But I kind of, I'm not kind of secure enough in my ability to come up with something under those circumstances to do that. So I need to come in as prepared as I possibly can be. And that means that I've become really forensic about pauses and forensic about eye movements and tiny smiles and all of this kind of stuff. And yeah, that can be, I find that really tiring. But of course, there's no feeling like really nailing that. Yeah. When you get your when you get your close up done and all of your kind of twitches, all of your pauses, all of your looks this way and that way, all of the little tiny inflections that you try and put into those lines, when you get that right and then you know you couldn't have done it any better and then it goes and you don't have to think about it anymore. That kind of wave of relief. Hmm. It's oh, bet, really yeah. really That'd be powerful. Way off the shoulders. Likewise, there's nothing more frustrating than not quite getting it. Mm. Just when the moment goes and, and, and the director seems happy and everybody seems happy. But you're not happy. But I just yeah, think I could, yeah. have, I could have just done that better, actually. And, and that's just something that you have to stop being too precious about because the audience won't notice. Yeah, that. Exactly. No. And you have to think about the audience all the time. I mean, people, I think actors have this thing about they seem to want to get too much out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? What do I get out of it? Well, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not working for yourself, really. It's just a service at the end of the day. You know what I mean? It's like some mm. actors talk a lot about how hard they find it and the kind, of, you know, the kind of extremes that they have to go to to feel that they have to get a performance out. And I just think, well, when I hear about that, I think, well, it's fine if you have to do that. But you don't have to tell everybody about it because, <laughs> yeah. because you're almost asking us to yeah. reevaluate your performance. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, yeah. And I think the performance and the product should just speak for itself. If, like, if yeah. you go to a mechanic and he says, well, I've, I've, I've changed your, your, your disc pads, your, your brake pads, hmm. and you say, oh, thanks for that, yeah, really, we shouldn't have a problem with them. Oh, by the way, I did it with one hand tied down. Like <laughs> exactly. yeah. You'd say, well, I don't have to know I'm about that. I'm not yeah. entirely pleased with the way I've done them. Yeah, I exactly. thought all day about <laughs> exactly. it. I don't have to know about yeah. that, really. Yeah. And and I just think that that you have to try and kind of let that go, but I find it difficult to let that go. And so you're it, per, do you think you're a bit of a perfectionist then? Is that part of what you uh, make up? I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I think it's it, it's 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 a perfectionist, but it's it's kind of like I've lumbered myself with it because of the the type of performance that I want to give. I think that I always want to give as much. We kind of make as much out of every single second as I can, 
and when and when you've got the lines and you learn the lines but but you do that with kind of physical things and you try and paint as much kind of color onto it i try and paint as much color onto it as i possibly can mm. and that creates problems because you don't really have to do that you can just make it much more simpler and kind of tell the story if you want to and not have to paint all that on it and probably your life becomes much easier but i just think i think it, i think it's some kind of sense of some working class if i want to look too deep into it some kind of inferiority complex mm -hmm. that i shouldn't really be here imposter syndrome yeah. Yeah. imposter yeah. syndrome yeah. I, think I shouldn't really be here so i'm, I'm going to work as hard as i can or just on my just on my own and not make a big display of it just mm. kind of on my own just trying to think about it as much as i can in order to make them think they've made the right choice with me mm. and the fact i can reward the mm. faith that they've put in me and yeah that just makes everything just a little bit more complicated but as i say there are, there are sometimes when you just everything's just really on point and sometimes it, it i think about it kind of musically I think about everything musically, and sometimes well, you play drums. Don't yeah. You? yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, like, like, uh, like a, a look to somebody or a pause. When you get it right, it's like a, it's like a note that sings through everything, mm. and it's perfect. And then sometimes when you don't do it, it's like a, it's like a, a, fl note, a yeah, fluff yeah. note, like a yeah. bum note. Yeah. And it's just a little bit, just a little. It doesn't have to be. We were dealing with like milliseconds. It doesn't have to be very much off, but it, but it, it has to be. It, it doesn't take much for it to be wrong. Mm. And if it's wrong, nobody can tell me it's right. Mm. Nobody can tell me they're happy with it. Does that eat away at you sometimes then when you're on when those moments happen? Yeah, it really does. Mm. And I've, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm in car. I'm in kind of cars on the way home from sets sometimes, and just thinking, well, the 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 world is stuck with that now. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about it now. That is going to be, especially something like Game of Thrones, which yeah, you, yeah. Probably, you know is going to be watched and rewatched. Yeah. You just think, well, there's nothing I can do about that. That's just that performance now. And people will never know how I wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> They'll just think that, that they don't. That's, that was intentional. But yeah, you know yeah. what? They fucking won't think it. Right? <laughs> they're, they're not going to think, no. oh, that was slightly. If only you'd have done that, yeah. that pause a millisecond longer. If only you'd done that pause a millisecond longer or shorter, yeah. that would have yeah, been yeah. good there. But to you, those moments. Because, I, matter, because yeah. I want to work as hard as I, yeah. as I can to get stuff right and to make things interesting. I don't, think, I don't think that's a bad thing because you're, you're pushing yourself to be as good as you can each time and in theory improving and learning new things all the while. So I don't think, yeah. I understand why you would beat yourself up and I think a lot of us do it mm. with all our, yeah. I say craft, what I do is in craft, but <laughs> you could say that. Um, but I think it's, but it's probably brought you to where you are now. I imagine so, but it's still only, it's still only what I consider to be good. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not about what anybody else in the room considers to be good or even the audience considers to be good. It's only my own standard and only my own idea of what good is. You know what I mean? It's only because I like performances like that mm. that, are, that are rich and detailed and, and have got a lot going on. That's just what I want to aspire to. But at the same time, there are, there, when you see actors do things that are really instinctive and you know that they're just... One of the best pieces of acting I've seen... And this is going to make me sound a bit weird, but it's just true. <laughs> I, I was in New York recently making a film, and when I'm away from home, I watch um, I watch things that I I closely associate with home. 
just to feel yeah. comforted yeah. and still feel connected to that yeah. part of that, that that huge part of my life. So I was watching old Coronation Streets okay, on, yeah, yeah. on DVD. Brilliant. You can buy DVD compilations. Of like I, my brother's a massive yeah. Coronation Street. And he's got the like a full box set. Yeah, amazing. I've got mean, like hundreds and hundreds of like years of yeah. footage. <laughs> I do, yeah. and and I I take those away with me. So what era are you? This is you, this. I, is I, this I, one from the, this was the eighties. Okay, the 80s so it's proper Kembalo, DJ. Proper Kembalo, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, you can, it's not really that I sit and watch it. I just no, have no. it on, and yeah. I just like, yeah, like to. Say, I, I like, like to hear those voices, yeah. and I like to feel connected to that. Especially when you're doing something like, you know, working like I've just been working with Jennifer Lopez and people like yeah. that. <laughs> I just like to. Go, I need some DJ Barlow. Like <laughs> <laughs> I need a bit of I need a bit of Anne Kirk Bride. And it's just a kind of yeah, just to root myself in home. And there was a moment where where Hilda Ogden comes in and stands in the house and she brings him a pie, I think, for his lunch. And she's talking to him and he's not really listening and he's bored. Mm. And he's eating his pie and she says, and I was watching this with my girlfriend who was sat next to me uh, on the sofa. She, she's got a lot to put up with that poor girl. <laughs> uh, we were watching it and, and then she's talking to Stan and she says, um, uh, do you know what I did today, Stan? And he's just about to put the pie in his mouth and he goes, what? Like that, and eats the pie, and my head just exploded. <laughs> yeah. I thought, "Wow, did you see that?" And she was like, "What?" I was like, "Did you see the way he said what?" He said, "What?" Like, like he'd forgotten to act. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was so natural. Yeah. It was like he wasn't concentrating. It was like he was concentrating on his pie, <laughs> which, uh, and and not listening. And I thought, if I was given that what, I try to paint so much onto it. Yeah, yeah. So much into that moment. But you're watching an actor in that moment that's so comfortable with that character. Yeah. And so kind of in- instinctive that he knows how that character would behave. That he just said what, like he was saying what. It was yeah. like it was like it was a moment where he'd forgotten that he was acting. So next day on set, you were like, right, bring me a pie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it blew my mind yeah. that people could yeah. be that natural. And and that's just a new thing to aspire to for me now. I think I've ch- I think I'm. I'm not going to think about Stan Ogden all the time, <laughs> but, but I, I think that, that learning to, especially moving away from a character like Sam and moving yeah, in, of course, into yeah, yeah. broader areas, just to try and, and just learn a bit of that and not get too forensic about things and, and you know, work under the kind of the idea that it's not the acting that looks hard that's the best acting mm. it's the acting yeah. that looks easy 100% yeah. that's the best acting I did a casting the other day for my first advert casting with my new agent and I had to play a rock climber a mid 30s rock climber yeah. who was so new to rock climbing right. so I like, wanted to do it but it was a bit like apprehensive and yeah. so I had to go into the room with the casting director and she was like right you're looking at a mountain I want you to look excited but pensive at the same time so I started doing all like Eyebrows going everywhere like that. She's like, like, like dial it back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, hmm, ooh, ooh, hmm. She's like, like, dial it back a little bit more. Yeah. And I just couldn't get into the mindset of doing it. Now. It was my first casting. Yeah. Thought, so I was like, oh, massively overacting. And I texted my agent. I was like, well, it went all right. I was like, I'm massively overacted. And she said, less is more when it comes to castings. Yeah, absolutely. And she said, sometimes the ones that you go and you think you've done literally nothing, yeah. you'll get that casting. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. And I, I, actually, that was a really good piece of advice straight off the bat, really early doors. So I'd not thought about that. Because it's all about, it's all, I mean, it sounds like a kind of, it sounds like the type of thing that you've heard actors say millions of times, but it does come from the inside out. Mm. And if you think it, yeah. you'll show it. Yeah, exactly. And 
and I've always I, I have always taken that on board but I just think that 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 Sam character and that persona and that style of performance it did become towards the end of that journey on Game of Thrones it became kind of the only way I could act because it was the place that I because it it, it was the the only my first job yeah and at that stage kind of the only sort of the well the, the most recognizable thing I'd ever done so I just I, I, I just kind of got into the kind of unconscious mindset of that's what people want mm. when they want to see me for things they want me to do this yeah mm. and is, is that an unfair way to think because that, that must that probably does play on some casting directors minds and stuff mustn't it it I think I think it it may do but you've still got to be as appropriate to the character that you're reading and yeah. not and that's not appropriate by any stretch of the imagination for every, every character that you're going to read for yeah. but I just I just really found so much so that I, I I got into this trap with Sam again I set myself traps and I I decided early on that because he'd had such a traumatic childhood mm-hmm. and he had a lot of uh, kind of brutality and he'd suffered a lot and and one of the kind of ways that, that often that kind of underlying trauma manifests itself mm-hmm. is through a stammer and through a, and through a, a kind of a, a twitch sometimes mm. that that can that can cause kind of psychological barriers within you that that that, that you kind of live with your whole life or yeah. find it hard to shake off. So I I did, I did that. I'm going to play him with a stammer for to show that he was brought up in such a highly charged anxious environment when he was a child that he's always been slightly frightened to speak mm-hmm. so there's a lot of false starts mm-hmm. in the way he speaks and somebody who's not quite sure whether he's allowed to speak whether he's allowed to express his opinion on things so I thought I'm, I'm going to do that and then by the end of by the kind of the middle really I completely lost control over when I did it or not completely lost control I'd, I'd stammer th- th- there, there are takes of me that exist surely where I'm I, it can be it felt like five minutes where I'm standing with, that, with other actors and I can't speak and I just can't get the word out certain sounds trip me up and, I, and it, when I was in character I developed a stammer that I wasn't in control of and it's hard enough to be an actor anyway without reading a script the night, the night before you're going to do it thinking that's going to really trip me up tomorrow and the more you think about it the more you yeah, obsess the more, about yeah, it yeah, yeah. and it becomes a big thing so in addition to learning lines and working out where you're going to stand and working out your emotion I was there thinking right I need to do a, a kind of big jump off this letter into that letter I need to come off that yeah. I need to come off that hard D into that W really quickly so I don't have time to stammer just a new thing that's incredible it's a new thing that gets painted on yeah. and, 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 and a new thing to kind of contend with and so Towards the end of that journey, that stammer was turning up in non-Sam acting. I'd do auditions where I stammered because it just seemed like the default place that I went to when I acted. Yeah. And, and so did people start to think that you, you obviously that was part of you, that was I naturally think, you I had think a so. stammer? Yeah, and, but it know. wasn't. Wow. It, yeah. it never was. It was just about something about going into that headspace and feeling that, that performance anxiety that brought it out of me. Mm. But yeah, there are all sorts of uh, takes. where you know, there, there are takes where Kit... Well, I've got the first line in the scene, and then Kit has to react to me when mm-hmm. I and Kit's saying, "Can you try and in a, in a, a lovely way yeah, as always?" Yeah. But he said, "Can you try and come in a bit quicker mm. so I can react a bit quicker?" I'm like, "I can't, I just can't." And he, he and everybody was very understanding about it. But of course, when you're standing in front of a 
a, a crew as lovely as they yeah. were and as, as well known as well as I knew them all by that stage and you can't speak and you should be speaking and your internal monologue is going why aren't you speaking yeah. they're going to think you've forgotten it and you've got you know script supervisors shouting lines in because they think you've forgotten yeah, it yeah, yeah. and, it's, and yeah. it's not that and you just can't wait to, and the, 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 the rush of relief of actually getting the line out yeah, yeah that really kind of really kind of bled into my entire process and and did took, you, took me a while to get out yeah, of did it. Did you seek help with that then? Was, no, it's was just it something that you had to just kind go of through yourself? Just kind of faded away over time, really, as I move, as my distance between me and, and that character becomes greater. Mm. That I'm kind of, I'm, I'm free of it now, but yeah, for a while it was, uh, it was really, it was really worrying that I'm just going to, embarrass myself even on a set in front of you know a, a crew and another cast members that you've known for eight years by the end of it mm. you feel so stupid and you just think you know why did i lumber myself with this so ev every time i most of the time i was on camera especially if i had a big one coming up there was a real low level sort of anxiety yeah attack going on especially when it was coming up to that line and yeah, it was just something that I kept to myself. Obviously, people knew about it because sometimes I'd be, you know, be thirty seconds of silence while I tried to speak. Uh, but I'm free of it now, and you know, moving into playing other types of parts and other other personas and other characters. So it, hopefully, it won't come back up again. But it was just just one more thing to contend with every yeah, single day that, that, that I, I could have done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but, but I think sometimes it, it helped. Yeah, because he is. Well, anxious. Well, obviously, uh, it does really add to the performance. Yeah, he you know, he, he was he was born of that. Yeah, and it's and integral to that character. Integral yeah. to that character. So it did work, but I just wish I could have accessed it in an easier way. Yeah, and coming to, and out of it. Having to but it sounds like you're the sort of person that embodies your work so much that it literally became a part of you. Yeah, because you were so full on with it from when in, you know head first and just it became a part of you. Yeah, it's crazy. Especially over that over that period of time you spend half your life living as this other person yeah. and, it, and it does sound you know it sounds like all the type of stuff that a lot of my friends who aren't actors they they just don't believe to be true or they just think it's an actor being self-indulgent yeah, when they yeah. say I lived as that character but for those characters in something like that who you go on such a long journey with and all these characters have got such histories to them and you have to carry so much yeah. of that around but all of these characters everything that's happened to them in their lives affects every single decision they make yeah. so you have to carry all of that pain or all of that abuse and trauma around with you to understand why he's doing what he's doing mm. or she's doing what she's doing so and that's added to during the show as well isn't yeah that's it? always because, been yeah, added because, to yeah because you're you're growing as a character within you know within the show as well and you have, you're having to adapt yeah yourself and the characters yeah and the characters can never yeah. wh whatever whatever the character does when it comes to the, the the great kind of narratives where especially over such a long period the character can never do what they do at any time before like 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 a season five move by aria or or anybody or yeah, yeah. Or, or you know McNulty in The Wire or Tony Soprano yeah. Yeah, none yeah. of that stuff that they do in any given moment could have happened at any moment before because yeah. it's all a journey and, and yeah. everything yeah. organically happens so 
you do have to carry all of that around and you find yourself thinking about another person all of it doesn't even exist for all of your professional life and of course you're going to kind of meet them in the middle and parts of them are going to become parts of you and a lot of you is going to become part of them so it's just like a kind of a hybrid of you and this character that you've brought to life and yeah especially over eight years it's going to be is going to be hard to shake that off and feel as, as pleasurable as game of thrones was feel free of that yeah well, that's a long. It's a long time. Well, I was going. Well, I was going to say to you: is, is there a sense of loss as well at the end of that process? Have you been in? You've been that character for eight years, or yeah. ten years, whatever you know, and it being your first yeah. major role, definitely you know, such a big show as well. That I think you know, it's been in the press. It's obviously some other, some of the other actors have felt that as well yeah. coming out of the show. Did you feel? Did you feel that? When yeah, you finished? it's a sense of a sense of abandonment of the character in a, in a weird way that you 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 just want to see what happens to him it feels like it feels like you're getting off the bus early you yeah. know what I mean and you yeah. want to know where it goes and you want to know what he's doing now and you, we just kind of had a few months off then we'd go back to it every year and see where he is and yeah. see, see how he's incrementally changed since the last time we saw them mm. and the last time we were in that world what was he doing and where's he got to now and where's he going next and the fact that that journey just stops it's it does feel like yeah th that you've kind of gone awol and mm. you're kind of leaving him to it you sort of miss him in a way i do miss him i don't there's a lot about playing him that i don't miss yeah in terms of all the things that i've i've, I've talked about but it, it was a it was a painful place to go back to every year to, to play somebody that damaged but it, it was such a. It was such a. That whole series was such a, uh, a, a like a voyage of self discovery for him, and such a kind of healing process. And he finishes up mm. in such a good place where yeah, he's yeah. achieved so much against the odds over the course of that series. I want to play. I, I'd like to play him happier for a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, and satisfied for a bit longer. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, that's why now I'm, I'm sort of reluctant to think about anything of that in terms of that much of a long engagement ever again yeah people talk about you know what do you want to do next and the idea of doing m movies at the moment or kind of feature length things it really appeals yeah. because because the idea is you you put this amount of time probably you know six weeks aside a couple of months for a film and you go in every single day or you know a few days a week whatever however big your part is and you chip away at that story and by the end of that period you've told a story from beginning to end yeah. then it's on the shelf and it's done and then you move on to something else you don't have to have the kind of exhaustion of charting that process over that length of time mm. you've got closure almost from yeah and then it's just a, a, pro a thing that you can look back on and you go on to your next thing you tell that story you complete that story and then you just you just keep you just develop a career where you just go about telling these these you know these handy little stories mm. and play a character for a couple of hours and and that that just feels like a nice thing to do now like a, a, a nice mm. progression there, there are probably a lot i imagine loads of actors that probably won't get to experience though what you've been through of having such a seminal character for such a long time for such a big chunk of your life there'll be some actors who are just who are doing bits here and there, aren't they? Yeah. So we'll probably never get to experience what you went through, the sort of the good and the, the good and the bad bits of it. No, yeah. Yeah, but they kind of escape that prejudice as well. 
of either either people either wanting that from you mm-hmm. in in in, yeah. in a new role, wanting you to to play that part and and, and kind of fill in that silhouette. We need yeah, a, we yeah. need a character who's yeah. uncertain of himself and kind of bumbling and and you know soft hearted but loyal and all of the, all of those things that Sam mm. is. We need somebody for that kind of silhouette. So put him in that silhouette. Yeah, yeah. Or you know they just don't believe that you can do anything else. Yeah. And that's something that you have to kind of shake off as well. But I think that the two that that I did I did this film uh, with with Jennifer and Owen Wilson and, and had a great time on that. And I've done something since then which I can't discuss too much yet. But very very different things. And you know, I'm I'm very grateful to to uh, the producers of Marry Me. The movie's called and. And you know the producer Elaine Goldsmith Thomas, who's who's brilliant, and and Jennifer as well, and all the other people who had a hand in casting me in that part because it is very different. Mm. Yeah, and it's the first part I've played where it feels like his weight isn't essential. Mm. It's it's he could be played by anybody. He can't be played by anybody, but he, but his weight isn't something that's yeah. a factor in any of his motivation at all, really. It's, it's mentioned a couple of times, but it's, that's more about revealing something about another character mm-hmm. than something about him. So I feel like I'm moving out of that space a little bit more with that, that, that I'm, not just, I'm not just a kind of actor that can play a fat guy if you need a fat guy. Mm. And I think that, you know, I, I, I've made certain comments in the past about being overweight at the start of Game of Thrones and how that, you know, was, I, I was so down on myself and didn't have a lot of confidence. And then that was a kind of key to me going into this next phase of my life. And I, and I kind of, I, I stand by that and I stand by how grateful I am for David and Dan for taking that chance on me. But I, I wouldn't like anybody to think that I was saying that being overweight was the answer to my problems you know what I mean it was just part of that recipe mm. and they weren't just looking for a, a, a fat guy to play Sam they were looking for a fat or overweight actor to play this part who could also act well enough yeah, sure, to yeah, chart yeah. that journey over the course of that time it's not just about being overweight was the answer to all my problems because it was the, the cause of a lot of my problems mm. and now that the now that Game of Thrones is over I find myself you know trying to to lose weight and getting away from that part and finding that it was actually the acting that they wanted. Mm. It was the performance that they wanted. And being overweight was just handy. Yeah. Because it just gave me just, just the physical shape to play this part. Mm. But, but what was really my sense of, of worth around that time and the sense of worth that that part gave me was how well I could act the part, not just about, oh, it was handy that I was fat because if I was fat, this wouldn't have happened. Mm. I, I, I was an, an actor and the actor that they wanted. And now that if I lost weight, I'm still the actor that can yeah, do things. Of course. And I think that that's a nice, refreshing kind of place to well, move and into. It's a confidence booster as well, because it makes you realise that it was about your talent. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's the thing that we're always, we're always told about, about auditions and things, that you know, they make their mind up when, as soon as, as, you, soon walk as you walk yeah. in. Mm. So it, it is it is a way to pop your head above the yeah. the parapet and say what about me maybe yeah, I yeah. can do this but but if you can't act the part you're not going to get the part you yeah. know what I mean so so yeah I I I stand wholeheartedly by the fact that I was very low on confidence before Game of Thrones happened and I was 
I was brought out of that and told that I, I was capable and I was valuable and I was able to achieve things that I didn't really think was possible at certain times in my life before that. But now I'm realizing that, oh, being overweight was just the base level and they were actually looking for, for kind of more than that. And now if I did lose a lot of weight, like I'm trying to do, I'm still stuck with a lot that's a lot that's left. It's like people who, a lot of people who, you know, there are some people who are kind of discouraged from losing weight now almost because they say, oh, you should be you and, and you, know, mm. you, you should, you were meant to be like this and, and, you know, it's just who you are. You think, yeah, but this is a beautiful person and there's enough about them that isn't the weight yeah. mm. that would still be there if they lost weight. You shouldn't make it that important. You shouldn't make it define you like that. Any anything that you have to get over, mm. you know what I mean. Anything that that makes life a little bit harder, it does sometimes create a lot of character. Mm. But if it wasn't there, you'd still be a brilliant person. Yeah, it does doesn't necessarily yeah. define your your struggle with things. Doesn't necessarily def- define you. You'd be an amazing person if you weren't overweight or you didn't have this kind of psychological hand ups mm. that you have. And I've, and I've just kind of gone on that journey and been discovering that recently and. It's a breath of fresh air because there there are parts that we were talking about for next year, and you know you know the, the character description is overweight or obese or something, and 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 in a, in a in a, a an industry that's so uncertain, mm. when you don't know how long it's going to be mm. without work, and you don't know when the next audition is going to come in or the next offer is going to come in, to actually be brave enough now to say I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm going to step away from that and 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 disassociate myself from from you know playing those kind of characters and and, and occupying that dramatic space but you know, it's tempting to say well it's work and all mm. I have to do is, is is stay overweight for another 6 months and then it'll be over but just take but being brave enough now to say I want to re imagine myself and make people make the world reevaluate me from this mm. from this stance that they've took for yeah. all these years quite rightly so or understandably so and just wait for the right thing and the right there's something that's different enough to move me into another space it's really powerful saying no yeah being able to say no to I mean that can be applied to lots of different things and lots of different industries yeah being able to do that it's like you sort of taking ownership and taking control of that moment um, I, it's, I've really learned to say no recently, actually, to yeah. work stuff or whatever. Um, it's really empowering. It's quite it's thrilling, empowering isn't to, it? to do it for reasons like that, yeah. yeah. Mm. Especially reasons, yeah. If you just think I'm on this, I'm on this journey, and what what is this? What is saying yes to this? How is that going to affect my journey? How is saying no to this going to affect my yeah. journey? And I and I do think that if you, it, my rule of thumb is, if you ever got a doubt about anything. Maybe this is maybe this is kind of pertaining mainly to acting, but but I've often I've turned things down and I've thought afterwards I've thought I don't regret not doing it, mm. but I may regret doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I think you have to ask yourself you kind of have to ask yourself that question: What is the worst thing that can happen if you don't do it? Mm. Okay, yeah, I could live with that. Mm. I could live with not doing it. What's the what, what's the worst thing that can happen if you do do it? Uh, I have to stay. I overweight for another six months, mm. and then that may turn into years, yeah, exactly. and then I may be unhealthy yeah. for the rest of my life. 
So it's just these decisions that you have to kind of make. And, and, and if, you're, if you stick your neck out enough and if you're brave enough and if you believe in your journey, then it, it actually becomes easier to conceptually imagine both futures. You know what I mean? And that should affect the way you make decisions. Have you always been someone that's sort of quite forensic in your approach to I think so. I was a really nervy kid. I was a really smart kid. Like like somebody who really reveled in knowing things. Yeah. And really spouted a lot of facts all the time and really enjoyed being clever and enjoyed people like my parents being proud of me being mm. clever. Mm. I remember being a kid in a music I must have only been about six and I identified an axolotl. Oh. In, a t- in a tank <laughs> and, and, and it went to a museum on like a school trip and, 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 the, f- and the fellow was asking all the, all the kids in my class what's this and someone was like well, it's a fish someone said it's a kind of lizard and I was yeah. like stand aside part time <laughs> I'll tell you what it is it's an axolotl and then they, their minds were blown by it and then they were all talking it was this genius kid yeah and it's immense uh. yeah yeah <laughs> and then I went home and told my mum and dad about it like I knew mm. what an axolotl was and then they told all their friends yeah. about it yeah and I really enjoyed being that smart yeah, yeah, yeah. kid. But at the same time, I was, I, I think with that sort of intellectual maturity, I'd say, yeah. there came a sense of premature anxiety about things mm. that I had no business being, making part of my world, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so I, I used to get very anxious if my mum and dad used to argue and I'd kind of try and play a peacemaker and mm-hmm. try and get involved in it and try and, you know, plaster o- pl- plaster it over and be an important person in that triangle. And just now I just think I should have just let them get on with it because people do argue mm. yeah. and I shouldn't have got myself involved in it. But I was so keen in the world being nice and everybody being safe and everybody being happy and taken care of. I put myself right in the middle of these situations that I had no business being in. And, and, and my mind's always been slightly overactive because of that. I can always see the worst case scenario mm. and I'm constantly daydreaming about what you know, what's the worst that can happen and how can I stop it happening and how can I dive in and how can I be active in, in averting this situation or making this situation happen. And, yeah, I just find life to, to be about a series of moments and controlling every single moment. It's like, like if you take it into acting, controlling every single one of those little yeah. tiny seconds in front of the camera. Life is about keeping always keeping failure and always keeping unhappiness and things going wrong, always keeping them five seconds in the future. Mm -hmm. If you can always keep those moments going wrong just out of reach and make every single, for the I'm gonna be in control for the next five seconds. Mm. I'm I'm gonna be happy for the next five seconds. If you just keep, always keep trouble out of reach, then I think that that's how I kind of live my life. But it, it means that yeah, it means that I do kind of drive myself crazy with things that don't really involve me and take too much. My mum always used to say, such a phrase of my mum, she always used to say, you take too much on. Mm. Yeah. Just in terms of how involved you want to be with everybody and how other people's happiness, you seem to think it's your concern and it isn't. Mm. So I think I've always overthought things and always yeah, tried to be as in control as I possibly can of situations and not leave anything to chance. 
and you get and and, and the, the forensic side of me comes from that because it's all about micromanaging mm. life micromanaging yourself yeah, yeah. micromanaging myself and yeah. trying to micromanage other people and circumstances that are actually yeah. out of my control yeah so i've always been i've never really been that that passive i've always wanted to go in prepared i think that's something that so that's a lot of that sort of rings true for myself and for, I think probably does for you as job. Yeah, well, absolutely, I think yeah. people will relate to that as well. But what I'm hearing or what I'm sort of processing at that point is everything you've just talked about, that forensicness and that anxiety has been part of your journey. Yeah. And it's now led you to where you are now, which is a hugely successful actor. So it, they might be points you look back on and thought, I wish I wasn't like that, but it actually has brought you to where you are. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd like to think so. At a time, uh, I, I, it, it just, I felt completely out of control of the journey at times. I remember my, my, my final tutorial at drama school. They said to me, um, or one of my final tutorials, they said, you're, you're good at what you do, but you'll never play a vulnerable character in your life. They said, you'll never play a vulnerable character. They actually said that to you? Yeah, that's what they said. That's what she said. Yeah, she's what, an amazing teacher. And what was the justification yeah. for that? The justification was that, for that was that she wants that, that I was always, my persona in the group mm -hmm. was always somebody who was in control and, and lighthearted and didn't take life too seriously. I think it's because it was so at odds with how I actually was in yeah, yeah, yeah. that I tried to not let people see that, not yeah, let yeah. people see how so you were acting, how neurotic I was. About <laughs> you were things. acting, acting in my sort of whole yeah, life. Yeah. And the thing was that I, I developed that persona in that group outside of acting, where I, when you know nothing bothered me, and blah, blah, uh, that I wasn't prepared at that point to let those people, even though they were my friends and they were all actors as well, they, I, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared to let them see a vulnerable side of me at that point. And I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to access those parts of myself because it seemed so at odds with how they knew me and how I wanted them to know me. Yeah. And when I, first, when I first got Game of Thrones and I first started to play Sam and people seemed happy with it, I was thinking, yeah, what a lot of bollocks they were talking at drama school. Mm. And I am playing a vulnerable character. And I'm proving them wrong, and I can access that. But I realized that that was the first time that I was actually able to access that. Mm. Because now I, it's a blank canvas. And these people who I'm now working with, they're my new friends, but they don't have any prejudice of me. Mm. I, don't yeah. now, I don't any longer have that hangover where I feel I have to be the person who's in control all the time. I, I no longer feel that pressure to be the person who puts a you know puts a wall up and laughs everything off and because I, I, I always saw that to be an un unattractive side of myself mm. because I live with it every day and I knew how frustrated I was by my overthinking and my worrying and my anxiety all the time so I thought I don't want to burden other people with yeah, it yeah. my public face will be I'll go completely the other way and make out nothing worries me at all and I was saddled with that and then I started Game of Thrones a whole new bunch of people who I didn't have to behave like that in front of. And then that's the first time I could really access that vulnerability. And it kind of all came out cathartically in, mm. this, in this one role. And that's the side of myself that I brought to that character. But, but it wasn't bollocks what she was saying. It was absolutely true. I just didn't realize it at the time mm. that I'd never play a vulnerable part as long as I cared that much 
about about maintaining this persona that I'd painted onto myself. So it's it's um, that's the thing about about acting. It is it, you are hiding behind characters, but you're showing a lot of yourself as well, mm. and that's why it can feel very exposing. Mm. And I think it's also a good way of getting some of that stuff out of you as well, kind of exercising it, because you can Definitely. you can live it in somebody else's skin, and it's almost like you're not living it in yours. You're It's like dipping a toe into that water mm-hmm. of showing your pain or living through pain, because your own can sometimes be so hard to face. Yeah. Did it, did it change how you were with your mates? Did it... That opening up to that vulnerability allow you to be more like that with with them. Uh, it's weird. It's weird. My kind of friends' reaction to it because I, because a lot of them say, a lot of my closest friends don't watch it. Really? Yeah, and I can I can kind of understand that. Really, I'd like them to watch it, <laughs> but 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 they always say, "Well, I watch it and I like it," and then you turn up and I can't watch it anymore. Yeah, you know uh, I, mean? I do thought actually I do get yeah. That. yeah. But I think, well, you know, just we'll just still watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's no yeah. excuse to not watch it. Uh, but they, <coughs> but they are, they're they're very, uh, they're very supportive of it. But I, I, I come from a, I come from a background in my amongst my friends and my family as well, where if I'm part of something, my own contribution to it tends to be the very last thing that they'll talk about. I mean, they'll say that they like it, but they'll talk about how much they like everything else in it apart from me. Yeah. And whether that's to kind of pr- protect me from believing my hype too much. Keep you grounded. You know, I mean, keeping, my, <laughs> yeah. keeping you grounded. Or, or whether that's just, gen- that might be actually what they think. But, but it's, hard to, it's hard to kind of... Does that bother you? Like? It does a little bit, yeah. yeah. Because I want people to be proud of me and like you know my 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 dad and my uh, my mum and my dad they were always sort of proud of how clever I was Mm. when I was a kid and they'd always tell people how clever I was because I think that that was this might sound cynical but that's a sign that they were doing something right I mean, yeah, yeah. They can talk about how clever their kid is because that's also saying, look at what a good job we've done. Mm. Of, look how clever he is. Look how well he can talk and look at all this stuff he knows yeah, because yeah. that's what we fostered in him. Yeah. But my acting feels like something that's so outside of that sphere. Nobody in our family has ever even thought about being an actor before. Mm. So they feel they're slightly disconnected from that. Yeah, so they feel that they yeah. can't take ownership of that properly. And they can be proud, but they'll never be proud to me. Uh, you know, you know, my dad is proud of me and he, he talks at, at work, I think, about how proud he is and what I'm doing. But I'm always the last person he'll tell. And I find that to be quite interesting. And, and you know, understandable. And, you know, father and son relationships are quite mm. delicate ones. Mm. And, uh, but he, I just, I just like to be told sometimes that people are, are proud of me. This is an appeal. If anyone's listening, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of you, John. Thank you. Man. I'm sure they are one, two hundred percent proud of you. But I think that father-son relationship sometimes is difficult. I think for dads to relay that 
those feelings. Yeah, I think Certainly so. Certainly dads of a certain generation. Certain generation, yeah, and a certain background mm. themselves. But I've always been, I've always kind of hit, hid my sort of light under a bushel a little bit as well. I don't necessarily want to talk about it. Yeah. Because I just want to, I just want to. And I guess home is, is that place where you can just be. Yeah. Jump and that's why I, li- not, that's why I live in Manchester. You, yeah. That's why I still see all yeah. my old friends from, from school and from, and from uni and still see my family all the time because you just don't want to invest too much in something that's so, as I've said, so insecure and can be so fleeting because if you burn yeah. all your bridges with of course, everything yeah. that you knew when you were growing up and then suddenly you know, you're in this new world and you invest too much in it and you just assume that's how your life's going to be forever. If that ends, which it can end tomorrow for anybody, yeah. you're now adrift yeah. because you've not got the old thing to go back to and you've not got the new thing either. But I, I think going, so interesting, going from primary school where I was loved being clever yeah. and really enjoyed that and really enjoyed the attention that that gave me, went into high school where suddenly in, in quite a kind of tough environment suddenly being clever wasn't prized at all mm, no yeah it seems to be like the cleverest people get a really kind of hard time of yeah. it and so that was the point where i stopped enjoying being clever mm. didn't really put that much work into my into my school work either because i realized that the attractive side of me isn't the side that is clever and I'd rather these people like me than my auntie admire me for being clever. Yeah. So I almost, I almost stopped caring about how clever I was. And at high school, put all of my effort into being funny. Yeah. All of my effort, because I realized that's the best chance I've got of making connections with people. And so I went through high school kind of pretending that I wasn't as clever as I actually was. Mm. Because that, that would make me stand out less. And that would, that would make me less of a target. And I still kind of feel it with, with my career now that I don't want to talk about it. I, I, I want to talk about it when I have to talk about it. And then when I get home, I just want to talk about the things that everybody talks about. And I, I, I just don't like... The, I don't like any kind of difference between me and the people that I grew up with to be referred to mm. or to be amplified mm. or to be acknowledged. Mm. I, because because I think that, as I said about you know, watching Coronation Street when I'm in New York filming, I always like to feel that home is what it's always been. And I'd like to slip back into that. So it's, it's, I kind of want too much, really. I want them to be proud of me without overtly telling me about it. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's kind of impossible. But home is home is what home's always been, and I, you know, I, I, my mum and dad still live in the house, the council house that I grew up in, and I'm around there all the time. And I think that that that, that is important that you can mm. go, you can go uh, anywhere you want to go, and and you know, go to these events and meet these people. But the best thing is is coming back and getting that perspective back because oh, because it keeps both valuable. Yeah. It, it keeps the home life, yeah, yeah, everything yeah. you want it to be, and it makes all the other stuff even more exciting. The last thing you want to do is you to become jaded by that, and that's just every day, and you forget how exciting it is. Mm. So I think that I've got that kind of balance quite... Do you think a lot of other actors don't do that enough, though? They, they, they move away, they move into one's, into their career stuff too much sometimes. I think so. but To, I their, th- to the detriment of their... But it's, under, it's understandable, though, yeah. because... You know, sometimes it can be a very fleeting moment, mm. 
And some people think, well, I better go in and but, I better, yeah. enjoy, better enjoy it while mm. I can. Mm. Yeah. But that's that's my thing about always assuming that something bad's going to happen yeah. and trying to micromanage my reaction to it when it does. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't possibly think of what, what life would be like if my career was to be over without having some kind of backup in place. Mm. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't be instinctive about it. I can't go with that flow just habitually. So I think, well, if this ended tomorrow, I've still got home to go back to. Yeah. And that maybe does take me out of certain moments a little bit. And maybe I can't enjoy things in the moment as much as other people because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, well, you know what I mean? I'm only five seconds away from something going wrong anyway. But some people just can just live in that moment and not think about how they're mm. going to react if it was to all go wrong. But I'm so forensic and, and try and map my life out so uh, in such a detailed and such a kind of all-consuming way. I can't allow myself to do that. I mean, that's not, that is who you are. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. That's just who you are. And that's you embracing your personality and how you deal with things. And also, you know, you work in an, in an uncertain in industry. Yeah. You know, that is true. And I think you, you do need home to be the exact opposite of that, to deal, to deal with that. Cause yeah, I think so. But then again, I don't want to be the person who, if it, if it does all end, to be back at home. And then thinking, I wish I'd have enjoyed that more. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 mm. the yeah. that's the kind of regret, it's a isn't it? Sword thing, it's yeah. a double-edged sword. You just yeah. can never you can never quite place yourself mm. in that paradox in a satisfactory way. Mm. But yeah, the kind of future is always something that maybe maybe it's kicking against the uncertainty of my career. The fact that my career may be uncertain, but I want my life to be so certain. Yeah, I want my life to be a constant. And never change, and I think I think that might be kicking back against that. And you know, you, you know, the idea that you know it's Christmas and I want to book my I want to book you know tickets for my for presents for my family to go and see things next year. And I'm thinking, well, I might not be here, yeah. and then I'm, I'm, that might be wasted. And then the present that I've given them is going to be worthless if I can't yeah, actually yeah, take yeah. them to the thing. That kind of uncertainty, I find, a bit scary and a bit frustrating even in tiny little things like that so as much as i can keep certain i try to keep solid and all the stuff about my life that's uncertain i just let that happen to me but as long as i've got it's rooted yeah in something that is reliable i feel a lot more comfortable but also those kind of things like they don't they never really in the grand scheme of things matter as much as you think they do in that moment yeah so that kind of thing would probably be all right even if you couldn't go it would yeah. suck. they'd still go they'd think of you because you got them the tickets and they'd enjoy it yeah i know but it's it, i do get it it is difficult because you want things to play out how you want them to but i have such a clear image in my mind of us all being yeah, exactly. at this thing yeah, at this yeah. moment yeah. if i'm not there or something changes out of my control yeah i'm feeling that my control of life and the future is slipping yeah, yeah. and that can drive me a bit crazy yeah so my life it sounds like talking about it here that my life is just a constant kind of quest for control of things that i can't control and and have no business in controlling mm. and sometimes doesn't need to be controlled at all sometimes an impulsive instinctive you know relationship with life it kind of it kind of causes less wrinkles over a lifetime but i just i'm just Stuck with it, and it is me. It's, but yeah, well, it is you. you, yeah. And I think a lot of people listening will probably be able to relate to that, and will will 
feel the same sort of thing yeah. in their careers and their lives. But the but idea of going in front of a camera with just knowing the words and just seeing how I'll do it, it's just so, it's just so far away. I can't even begin to Are imagine what it? that's like. In the, in those, sometimes you get a director who they're happy with what they've shot and they think they've got the scene, and then they say, "Well, we've got it this time." Do whatever you want. Yeah. Just just play around. Yeah. See what happens. We may get some gold out of it. No, I, they never use a second of those takes <laughs> for me. Never, because I'm completely adrift, and most of the time it just comes out the same. Yeah. Because it's in my muscle memory. Because I've trained it into my mm. into my body. Yeah. And I can't do it any other way. Mm. And that kind of inflexibility it help it helps to get consistent takes. Because I'm the same all day, you know what I mean. Unless a big note comes in, a dramatic note, which means I change it dramatically, I'm, I, I can I can respond to notes, and I can uh, adapt like that. But when it comes to throwing everything completely out of the mm. window, I was going to ask what you like with sort of direction and notes and stuff. I'm I'm good at taking direction, I think, but as long as I have a couple of minutes to think yeah, about it. Yeah. But but people say, you know, are you how do you find looking at yourself on camera? Because that must be a moment of, you know what I mean? All, all the kind of vulnerabilities come out and you're seeing yourself, yeah. how other people see you, and is that a hard thing? I think not when, not when I feel the scene has gone right, because mm. when I feel the scene has gone right, I know exactly what I've done. Mm. And I know exactly what I look like while I'm doing it. And I can remember, I can remember exactly what I did that day because I did it in my head a thousand times that day. Like when you know, sometimes you have to go in and do post production yeah, ADR, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I'm quite good at that because they say, "Oh, you, you know, your timing really syncs up well, and you, and you can you can lip sync yourself really in in kind of short space of time really quite tightly." And I says, "Yeah, because I I said it to myself like that thousands of yeah. times over that week, and I know exactly how I said it and." It's, it, I can access that still in my muscle memory from lines that I did 18 months ago. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's, but that, that's, that's a kind of blessing and a, and a curse as well because a lot of the time it means that you are a bit stunted in terms of doing things that are completely left field. But as, when I arrive at something that I'm happy with, it's just about working as hard as I possibly can to make sure I can recreate that in the moment. You've done improv or anything like that? Yeah, but I, it's, it, it, I, I can, I can, I can do improv, but it's always very, very surface. Like things kind of stay on the surface. And when I improv, I, I, somebody said I, I read this thing about improv that bad improv or improv when you're slightly uncertain of it or you don't know what you're doing, it turns into an argument very quickly. Mm. Yeah, oh my god, that's so true. Yeah, I've seen so many improv shows. If you like that. if you get too Im- improvisational people and they're floundering they'll yeah. start arguing it's so Bec- because they think it's more watchable because they yeah. think it's more dramatic yeah, and dramatic, dramatic yeah. and interesting yeah. so that's kind of what i do i access that because that feels closer to me than a character and therefore i feel i'm giving too much of myself if i improvise i feel i'm letting too much kind of mm. too much out so yeah i i, I it, it, it's it never gets past kind of level one Improvisation kind of base level, and I and I, do, and I do like it, but I just think I usually leave that to people who are comfortable with it. Yeah, mm. 
What are you like when you're preparing for a role then? Do you, obviously, you've got some, you know, when you're doing a movie or something. Do you take, like to take some time out to just prep yourself? Because obviously, you know, we've, as we've talked, you're very yeah. methodical about your work. I, I like to, what I always, what I always do, when I, when I get a movie script or I get, I get the script for the season of Game of Thrones, I, I read them all as soon as I get them, mm -hmm. and I try and learn them as much as I possibly can. Not learn them word for word, because there are so many script revisions, and, and yeah. you're always getting a new script through, so you may be learning something that you're, not, you're never going to shoot. Yeah. And then I, 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 re I, I try and learn it all. I try and learn what every scene is. I try and learn bits of speeches, just so I, I'm not shocked by anything when it happens. So when I know what scene I'm going to be shooting, I know what the story is, and I know what I'm going to have to access that day, so I'm never surprised by anything. And then I don't read it again until the night before I shoot because I know what I'm like. And I know that if I read it a week before, I'm gonna be driving myself mad for a week, going, going over it in my mind and, and mumbling to myself and, and, and trying to recreate these moments and, and trying to keep it in my brain. So I have to really access the scene as close as I possibly can to shooting it, because I give myself the, the most limited amount of time to drive myself crazy, <laughs> kind of trying to, trying to nail it down and trying to make sure that I don't forget yeah, it. And, yeah. and you know th that thing about if if I'm learning a speech, I'll 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 I'll, I'll know it and I'll learn it and then I'll run it and run it and run it and run it and run it until I don't remember it anymore. Because you stop learning the words and the meaning, you're just learning the music. Yeah, mm. it's like gobbledygook that you're learning, and it's it's just sounds. Mm. You're not you've not learned the meaning. You've just learned these weird sounds, mm. and because they've lost meaning, you could be saying anything, and therefore you do end up saying anything because it goes out of your brain. So mm. I try and protect myself from that by, by by. Only yeah, letting myself see it. What I'm going to be doing so do you receive, the night before. I'm guessing you probably sort of beat yourself up when you have blank moments on set and stuff like that. Quite harsh on yourself. Uh, yeah, I am quite harsh on myself. I never, I never. Um, I just feel that I'm really letting people down and I don't own those moments very well yeah. some people are relaxed enough that they can laugh it off and the crew laugh and then they get back into it and they and they just do it next time or maybe they'll laugh once more yeah. but they, they're confident enough mm. in themselves to know that they will get it eventually but I'm not like that I'm thinking okay, all of these people are really doing their jobs mm. and I'm the person who's fucked this for everybody. Yeah. And, it's and taken ages to set this up. It's taken ages to set <laughs> yeah. this up. All of these yeah. people, are, uh, all of these people are uh, working at the very top of their game and mm. I'm the one who's let them down and we've got to do it again and we're against the clock yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But then again, you don't realise that, oh, remember the take before when we couldn't do it because the camera went over his mark and lost focus and then yeah. we just had to do it again and I was fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and you just realise that that's part of the job, and people yeah. make mistakes. Exactly. But but I, I think I I, I kind of know that. I just know that through experience. But in that moment, I just feel like a fraud. Mm. I just feel like a failure, and and I think that is become because uh, Game of Thrones was such a life changing 
moment like moment for me and such a process for me that everything that that happens after this and everything that's happened because of it is because you know David and Dan and everybody else who who you know I made those creative decisions they believed that I could do it mm. and I'd just come out of drama school I'd never done anything in front of a camera before but yeah, they, you, it was like three months after you finished yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did the auditions while I was at drama school yeah. and then I and then I left and and did you have any inkling of what it could be, did you, did you? I mean, I guess you knew it was HBO, so it's probably going to be something. That big, was the th- that was the thing. So we we knew that a certain level of quality was going to mm. be involved because of their recent history at that yeah, time yeah. with kind of game changing yeah, telling and, and stuff. Yeah, and I knew that Sean Bean was going to be in it, and I knew that you know Mark Addy was going to be in it. So, so <laughs> we, we knew that there was a certain level of because yeah, sure. those actors don't work on kind of tin pot yeah. projects. Yeah. Yeah. So so I so I I knew that, but looking back at season one now. Uh, it's a lot of the se- a lot of the kind of seeds are there for what it became, but it's by no means perfect, mm. and I'm not perfect in it. And you know, the, the, there's some some things that you look back on in season one now, from my own personal perspective, and I just think, oh god, it's, it's a bit embarrassing that, and I wish I could do that again now. I do that so much better. But that's how it should be. You should always look back on your. If if you look back yeah. on yourself from eight years ago, it's like, oh, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Season one, that's season eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or even yeah, if yeah. you've maintained it, and even yeah, if course, you've, yeah. you've got complacent and you've not progressed, you should never look back on yourself eight years ago and think that's as good as I can be. Mm-hmm. You should always look back and think, oh, it's not of course. Good. And also, that that thinks, you know, when people say I'm going to start watching it, you think it's just a shame that that is what they're going to see first. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And they might judge me based on the entire yeah. show on the, on those initial sort of shaky performances that I thought were great at the time, but you know, looking back, there's so much more you could do with them. But you were only three months out. Three of months out of drama, drama school, school, yeah. So, and it's, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a healthy relationship yeah. that I've got with that. But yeah, season season one, it was, a, it was a weird. It was a weird time. It was a weird time to meet people like Kit. Harrington and Amelia Clark and Richard Madden because mm. we sort of we were the last people to meet each other before you know before I became known and before they became yeah, huge. Yeah, you know what I mean, so it, it was such an interesting kind of moment in all of our lives where we could shoot season one and then go out for dinner mm. and nobody would know who we are. Yeah, it, was, it was the last yeah. time nobody even in Belfast where they knew we were shooting this show nobody would know who we are. And we were completely anonymous. Yeah. The last time we kind of had that. Yeah. But of course, everybody who came on Game of Thrones after that, they knew what they were coming into. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And they knew that they were joining this thing that would make them famous. Or no. I'm not saying that's the reason why they did it, but no, they no. knew that their lives were going to change. But we didn't because our lives weren't changing while we were making it. Mm. We were just very, very normal people who were just well, doing this you, job. Was it, a, obviously it was a slightly gradual thing, but was there a moment when you thought, okay, we're, mm-hmm. this is, this is, Avon. This, is, this is big? Yeah. I think it was the moment that, that HBO started to give us <coughs> uh, red carpet premieres in, okay. in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, f- they did that for season three. They didn't do it for one and two. And I think that was the first time we'd gone to America as a cast. Okay, yeah. And, it's interesting for English actors, or you know, actors from from the kind of UK and Ireland, mm. and quite local actors, even European actors, yeah. to just fly to Belfast and make this show because there's so many local 
crew on it, local cast on it. Mm. You're flying 40 minutes from Manchester yeah. and you're in Belfast yeah, and you're yeah. working on the set. You don't get a sense of the international scope of it while you're doing that. No. It's only no. when you go to America and you, and you remind yourself that it's an American show and it's an HBO show and people in America are, are watching it that you mm. think, well, actually, this is, this is a thing that goes beyond my own relationship with it to such a degree mm. that you almost can't comprehend it yeah. and, and neither should you comprehend it because no. because if you're if you're in Belfast and you're doing a scene with with an actor that you've known for years you can't be thinking about how many all the people in all the countries of the world who are going to watch it mm. and, and th that was that was a thing that was that was good for us in terms of filming it in Belfast because it was a dream job we meant that you could be part of this American thing uh, a, and a global thing mm but not have to live in, mm. uh, uh, like beautiful as LA is, and I spent a lot of time there since, but being a young actor who only left university three months yeah, ago, yeah, be a big you don't have to move yeah. to LA for eight months to be part of this thing. So for us, it was such a, it was such a perfect blend of, of all of those types of things that made it such a dream job. And yeah, the idea that you can, you can be in a show that you know, Barack Obama watches and still go to Tesco Express. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels quite a weird, a weird yeah. kind of dynamic, but a dynamic that works really well for us. That kind of, you get to do this work, but in a comfortable yeah. environment where you don't feel too exposed. But it's probably not as easy to go to Tesco Express now. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but just in terms of that, the familiarity yeah. of that world compared to the world that, that you were kind of entering into without sure. even really yeah, realising yeah. it. That was what was nice about yeah. it. Going back to that imposter syndrome, which is like something that comes up on the pod quite a lot, it it must be quite a help with that, uh, going back to those early scenes and you're saying, you go back and looking how much I've grown from that. Yeah. That if you are having a moment where you're feeling like an imposter, you can go back and say, no, actually, look at how much I've progressed. Yeah, since that's that. true, actually, yeah. And... And... I think I think actors actors always have a problem with themselves because they never believe what they're doing because they can see themselves in their performance. They, they always think all other actors yeah. they're real actors. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because you know I can't recognise them in that, and and, and they're they're really believable and they're really selling this moment that they are somebody else. But that's because you don't know them as well as they know themselves. So they, you don't know what they're bringing to it from no. themselves. Mm. Whenever, you know, you, in, in, in the moments where you're not happy with the way a scene's gone, you watch and you think, oh, no, that's me. I'm not looking at Samuel. I'm looking at me there, and I shouldn't be looking at me. Yeah. I never look at uh, Sean Bean and think, oh, there's Sean Bean. I always think he's a character, but yeah. that's because yeah. I'm, I'm not looking out for the same things in Sean that's Sean. You mm. know what I mean? I'm looking out for the things that's me. Yeah. And, and you get... You get so in in those self critical moments, yeah, yeah. You sort of do get get a little bit too wrapped up in that. But yeah, to chart to chart your your yeah. progress over those over those years, it, it's a very interesting one. And like I say, I think I'm doing the work now. The, the, the marry me and then this new project. I think I'm doing the the best work of my career. I think so far. And that's because I've learned all of the technical things about filming and I'm very comfortable on a set and I know a lot of the, the vocabulary of it and I know the rules mm. and I know yeah, yeah. I've got all of that experience. But now I'm, I'm taking it into new areas 
and I think that, I think that that's the thing. Everybody can be great in one thing because the audience don't know you and they and 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 they just believe so much in this character. The secret is being good in something else where they yeah. can see the difference between that exactly. and this new thing. Yeah. And the things I'm doing now are so different and you know sides of myself are, c- are c- coming out that have kind of lain dormant ever since drama school. Mm-hmm. Kind of so weird. They said that I'd never do a vulnerable performance. But now, when Game of Thrones ended, I was worried that I'd never be able to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Well, you, and obviously you'd embodied that yeah. side of you so much. Exactly. So yeah. some of those instincts that have lain pretty dormant now uh, are coming back. Some of those slightly, you know, some of those sort of showier things and some of the more demonstrative things that I used to do all the time when I was putting a shield up and I just wanted to project this this side of myself that mm. I was comfortable with. I realised that they're useful as well. It's all it's all useful stuff. Mm. Everything about you is is useful. I think that you know you can you you, you look at a part and I, I think the best actors like Robert De Niro and, and, and people like that, they're always playing a kind of version of themselves. But it's like it's like you've got a mixing desk. It's like it's like the mix of an album, mm. and you just remix yourself mm. for each part because everything exists in everybody, even you know sides of yourself that you don't find appealing. They're in there, so you just have to access them. And if if the role requires it, push it up, do a remix of yourself, take your humility down. Put this arrogance up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all in there. You yeah. just have to find a different combination that that works. And you know, I'm I'm open to the fact now that I've I've sort of I've I, I've I've explored vulnerability, and I and I will explore it again. And it's such a kind of it's such a huge part of me anyway that it's always going to be in there. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just kind of waking, giving kind of other parts of my makeup a bit of a nudge. And, th- and waking them up a little bit. I think that remixing as well as what people do in life in general. I yeah. Think, depending on what situation. Yeah, totally. You're exactly. In, you can yeah. Totally do that. Although I will say, whenever I see Sean Bean, I just think of when Saturday comes. It's a good film, though. That's a great yeah. film. But it, great film. But it, it's it's. I, I think I think a lot of people, they have a slight. There are there are stock phrases that people use to either praise or criticize actors. One of the, one of the criticisms being. Oh, he always seems to play himself. Yeah. That's the thing that they say about people. Yeah. But you think, yeah, but even if you had to play yourself, to play yourself convincingly at the moment your mum dies or the moment your child is born, mm. that's still a huge skill yeah. to be able to yeah. put that across even as yourself, yeah. let, let alone somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? To access all that. And another thing that people say, people seem to say about actors is... Uh, and they always, you know, they always sound like, come across like they're the first person to think of it. They always say, oh, do you know how you can tell he's a good actor? Because you really don't like him. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the thing you think, yeah, true, but that leaves people who play characters that you like yeah. completely lost. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think it's because people have such a kind of visceral reaction to bad guys yeah. that they invest in it. Yeah. And that that they think, oh God, he's making me feel things <laughs> that that are, that are really strong yeah, yeah, feelings. Yeah, yeah. So he must be doing a good job. But I think that if you're playing somebody, you, you want to be likable and a nice guy, and and you know, it, it, it's a much more subtler reaction that they yeah. have to that. Yeah. They don't feel as strongly about it, so still a reaction. They think it's easier somehow. You know what I mean? But if you're doing the job, you're still doing the job. 
So it's an, it's an interesting thing that... I guess we take to villains, isn't it? I mean, even in real life. Yeah, I think know, so. That's why we all hate Piers Morgan and stuff like that. <laughs> well, it's true. Well, it's you the same I mean? reaction. Because, yeah. because, because, you know, I mean, he's a bit of a character anyway. But what yeah. I mean is well, because we do... We, it's yeah. Something yeah, exactly. Oh, think, That's oh, true. We, we yeah. kind of, I don't know what it is, but there's a... And people do yeah. still react to somebody playing a, a good guy doing their job. They just don't notice themselves reacting to yeah, it quite exactly, strongly. Yeah. So the fact is that, oh, 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 you can tell that he's a good actor because you really don't like him. Well, do you like this character? Yeah. Well, he wanted you to like yeah, him. Exactly. So he's a, he's yeah, a good yeah, actor yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if I can just sort of bring it to blank moments as we sort yeah. of close. You said something earlier that really resonated with me about, I think when you started working on the show, there were these people you, you hadn't met before, they didn't know you, and it was like a blank slate yeah. for you. Yeah. And it made me realise, because we talk about blank moments in this pod a lot, in a sort of negative connotation, understandably. Yeah. And that was an example of a blank moment actually being a positive one for you. Because you yeah. were able to present yourself naturally as yourself with vulnerability yeah. and start a game with new people. So it was like a blank being a, being a positive. Yeah. But <clears throat> but it was, it, was still, it was still about... I mean, the fact is that all of that all of that kind of neuroses were still in there, and I still wouldn't let anybody really see it. Mm. You know what I mean? So it, it so it was it was a blank it was a blank canvas that still had all of this other stuff behind yeah. it. I, I just put a new canvas on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Didn't change anything that was You're happening. Just covering up the. Didn't change right, any, okay. anything that was happening under mm. the surface. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just a new way of presenting. Or kind of trying to hide the same old things, you know what I mean? But it was a much, if you're going to take the canvas analogy and, and really snap it, it was a much thinner canvas mm. that right. allowed the stuff behind it to come through. Mm. You know and I mean? guess some of those people had their own canvases yeah. that they were, yeah. you know. Yeah, of course you know, they did. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I, I was the person who thought, you know what I mean, I thought I shouldn't be there anyway. Yeah. And so you yeah. have to kind of try and protect yourself against against that, mm. because you, know, you always think that everybody's got a different way of doing it to you. You know what I mean? And and you know, working with people like Kit, who hadn't done a lot of telly before, but he'd done plays and stuff. So Kit seemed like a legitimate actor, and I just felt like this fella who was just who just bumbled his way into it, and I just hope I don't let myself down. I, I think I think people reinvent themselves all the time mm. in in life, and I think that that's a healthy thing to do. Especially one of the times that people tend to reinvent themselves and they do get a blank canvas is when they go from home to uni. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of the time mm. because they can move they move away from home for the first time, and they don't have their background. They don't have their kind of old friends who who you know, are going to remind themselves or remind them of where they've come mm. from. They can be whatever they want to be to these new people. And the thing about going to uni is for the first time, you're mixing with people all day who've got exactly the same interests as you. And you can completely break free and immerse yourself in a whole new life if you want. When I was at uni, I still lived at home. Mm. And when I was at uni, I still had all my old friends. So I was never quite able to reinvent myself properly. Mm. And even when, it, you know, when, I, when I became an actor, I've still not been able to adopt that skin very easily. Mm. And, and it's a case of how helpful that is or whether I would ever really want to do that. But my life is such that I can never quite, I can never, I never quite let myself be free of 
where I've come from and what I am at my very core. Mm. I can never quite reinvent myself as much as other people, and it's a it's a it's a blessing and a curse. But I can see how attractive that that would be mm. to suddenly become this new thing that you've always wanted to be. I just think that my background and the, and the people that I've known they've never let me do that, and I've no. never let myself do that. And and I've, it's too late now. <laughs> yeah, is it? I don't want to either. You know what I mean? I mean I, I've often said about Game of Thrones, you know, people say, "Did it change your life?" And you know, I said, "Yeah, I'd like to thank David and Dan for changing my life in all the way that it's been changed." But I'd also like to thank my mum and dad and my friends mm. and my family for not wanting to make me change it too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm getting the impression that home is a massive part of your life and really important. Yeah, part of your identity. Yeah, uh, and you know, that's a, that's a testament to. It's not really a testament to me. It's a testament to how how. You know how much I love my family and how wonderful they are, and I don't f- and my friends, and I don't feel any need to yeah. distance my distance myself from them and and become something else. I thought they did a a pretty good job. Me neither. Oh, although right. my brothers moved to Dublin, my best friends moved to Glasgow. But we'll gloss um, <laughs> over that. Uh, maybe it's more to do with me than them. Um, can we round off the pod? Yeah. Uh, so we always get our guests to give their advice on blank moments. Yeah. For our listeners who will be going through creative moments or life moments whatever you got any advice for anyone that might be going through a blank moment it'd be just you know it'd be just don't give up just never give up because you know something incredible could be a couple of seconds away you know what I mean yeah and you know you'll you'll never forgive yourself if you uh, if you want to put it into a capsule thing it's don't give up on the Tuesday because something amazing might have happened on the Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And now you're not available and you're not a part of it. So just be, ju- just be, and also just, just expect blank moments. Hmm. Back to that thing again of always thinking that you're going to hit a, a blip and always thinking yeah, that yeah. you're going to stumble on stuff. Don't be shocked when it happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's like, just to go off, I'm, I'm in quite a kind of intensive kind of exercise regime at the moment. And sometimes finding the motivation to do that yeah. is very, very mm. difficult. Sometimes you're just so tired and you can't, and you can't do it. Mm. And I always watch the same video whenever I'm f- finding it hard to get motivated to go on a run. I watch this video of an interview with Tyson Fury. Mm-hmm. And Tyson Fury says that he, on his first day back when he wanted to come back to mm-hmm. fight Wilder. And he was like 10 stone. He was like a, a 28 him. stone or something. Yeah. And he said he, wow. he said he just wanted to go on a run. Yeah. He said his plan was to run two miles, but he got 100 yards and had to stop because he was yeah. exhausted. And he just thought, well, I'll walk the rest of it. He didn't give up. He just walked the rest mm. of it. And I, I, every, time yeah. I, every time I think it, I, every time I, I watch that, I just think, just do it. Yeah. yeah. Because even if even if you don't do what you want to do, at least do something. Mm. Yeah. At least get something out of it. Yeah. And I think I think that that's what it's about. Don't don't let blank moments put you off. Expect them. Mm. Expect to fail sometimes and, and learn from it. And and just walk if you have to. Mm. You don't you don't always have to be. You know, people beat themselves up about feeling that they. And I do it myself more than anybody beating myself up that, 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 that they're slackening off but just think as long as you can achieve something hmm. then just just, just keep going and just, and, just, and just do it and don't let 
don't let think that failure is a constant state that you're stuck with. Because failure, because you, you, were, you were having successful moments, failure comes in, failure will go, success will come back. Remember the time when, you know what I mean? Remember the time when you were, they said that this too shall pass thing. Yeah. Those moments when you were, you were having a kind of purple patch, that's changed. And if you're having a bit of a moment that's a bit sticky, that'll change as well. You just got to have the faith in it. You just got to be open to it when it happens and just make yourself available for all of these, all of these changes and all of these opportunities. And you'll never forgive yourself if you're not there to grasp them when they come along. Yeah. Also, I'm going to tell my personal trainer that we're just walking from now. Yeah. yeah. Not going to bother running. It's good enough Tyson Furious. Walking, me. Yeah. Walking's great for your Walking's foot. brilliant. Walking's brilliant. For mental health as well. I yeah. do a lot of walking and yeah. it's just brilliant just to... Yeah, of course it is. Kind of yeah. music or podcast. I was going to ask you about music because you, you're a drummer. Yeah. Do you, do you play in a band or you just is it just... Never played in a band. Haven't you? I, I, had, a, I had a band, a very short-lived band in college. But, but drumming is one of those things that I... I, I didn't even, you know, my agent, you know, they always ask, what do you do and what can you do? Because if they're looking for a drummer in a thing, they'll put you forward. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time. I mean, the neighbours guessed. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I didn't really tell anybody yeah. about it for a while because I wanted to keep it something that was purely for enjoyment. Mm. I think as soon as you tell somebody that you do something... Mm. And and they say, oh, we can use that. Yeah, why don't you yeah, come along? Why don't you come yeah. along and play a drummer in this film? Suddenly, you've got a different relationship with it, mm. and suddenly there's pressure around it that there was no pressure around before. And I think that was like you know, if you do a band, I'm going to start drumming in front of an audience, no matter how big they are. I'm going to feel a pressure around it. It's yeah, going to lose yeah. some of its magic for me because I'm going to start worrying about it, especially if somebody worries as much as me. I don't want to have to worry about it. I want to do it purely for enjoyment and not do it for months at a time if mm. I don't want to. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've never wanted to be in a band. I've wanted to be in a band, but I've never wanted to realistically join a band. I've never wanted to play the part of a drummer in a thing. I do it purely for a kind of visceral uh, pleasure that I get from it, and I want to maintain that. Mm. So do you stick headphones on and listen? You plan on to... I've got an electric song. kit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I stick headphones on. Is that Roland? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I play along with things. Yeah. And I think that I've... I'm definitely not as good as I could have been if I'd have been really committed to it and really stretched myself. But I don't want to have to worry about that either. No. You just want it for fun, to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get those it's an outlet, out isn't it? it? Yeah. 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 And... He's a, 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 I, I loved acting so much as a kid. I loved doing school plays and I loved drama school. And I love acting now, as, as stressful as I find it. But something does change when something becomes your job. Mm. There, there is a, a change in reaction to it where you think the, the stakes of failure have now shot yeah. up massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The stakes of, of, of forgetting that line in front of, you know all of these people in a theatre or, or, or all of that crew and not getting that moment when millions of people around the world are going to see it, suddenly the pressure's on. Mm. And, if I, and if I miss a, a fill or if I miss a cymbal splash while I'm playing along to a song, who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah. If, if I miss it in front of a crowd, suddenly I'm going to start beating myself up about yeah. that now and I've got enough to beat myself up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thank you very much. I just like yeah. to yeah, keep, keep that as something that, yeah, I can that, that's personal. That. Yeah. I so what's... Fair. Before we finish, what's what's your favourite song to play, like, trum along to? I really like songs that that have a 
have, have a, a change in signatures okay, and, yeah, and yeah. like a song that so I, I think I think that uh, the, the Jet by Wings by Wings yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah it's a really good song to drum along to especially your first song yeah, in the yeah, session yeah. Because, yeah. It, because it drifts in and out of tempo yeah and and you know to keep you, you, when you when you can just kind of seek from one tempo into the next yeah. and play that as a whole piece it's a really good warm up and really gets you going there's a live version of that from an album that he released about 10 years ago live in new york it's ferocious and that's that's where i start and then if i get that i was saying i did not expect you to say that well no no <laughs> i wasn't expecting that because i always think like manchester's got such a huge yeah. music scene it's like you know and i was thinking yeah I think I was thinking yeah. you were going to say. Uh, didn't know. Didn't know what I was thinking you were going to say. Good old Wings, the band the Beatles could have been. Yeah. <laughs> wings, yeah. They've got a, that's that um, that Christmas song though. I can't. I'm not. That. I'm not the biggest fan of Wings, but that, <laughs> that, that song. But that, that song. That, that that's the one that does it. For particular you. song when it comes to drumming. Yeah, it's really satisfying. That's great. Really satisfying test of yeah. how. Band on the Run is another one. I think that. Band on the Run's band exactly the, the same. Run, yeah. Yeah. As well, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we've never ended a pod on wings before. Oh, we not. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it's good, good to yeah, yeah, nice yeah. be the first. <laughs> good stuff. John Bradley, thank you so thank much. Thank you for so much for first. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I love that. That was brilliant. forensic it was <laughs> well that came up a lot didn't it that yeah. the idea of forensic, being forensic about mm. your work and you know obviously john um was in his youth was very you know had he was very bright good at school um and has sort of taken that on throughout his life being forensic and looking in very very close detail at everything and trying when he can to really eke out mm. every nuance in in his roles and even to the point where it actually started to affect him. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he he talked at length about the the stammer that he he started to have whilst doing the part of Sam and yeah. and, and 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 incorporating that and actually that becoming part of him. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, really, yeah, that it be he embodied the character the sort of that the, much. The full method. Him. Yeah, yeah, the full yeah, method. Yeah, proper yeah. method. Yeah, it was really interesting. I love the bit about keeping uh, sort of chaos five seconds away bad moments five seconds away yeah. each time and trying to do each five seconds i think that's almost like a mindfulness kind of technique of when yeah absolutely bad, yeah 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 sort of slowing it down and yeah um, and obviously by john's own omission he he said that um you know he, he catastrophizes about situations and yeah. stuff and that's his way of his way of dealing with it and you know that i, I also love the metaphor about the mix mixing desk and yeah. how, how we can you know and you said we could use that in life as well as mm. in our work being able to sort of you know adjust that accordingly and yeah that, that was really that a was lot really of that really sort of resonated with me and hit home um although i think when i'm doing stand-up trying to keep bad things five seconds away uh <laughs> probably needs a very quiet set but never mind um thank you so much john for coming on the pod that oh, was and it was a real pleasure to talk to john we've been trying uh, to sort yeah. it out for a while and it was you know uh, a big thanks for him for for giving us his time today because he's obviously He's very busy guy. He's been yeah. shooting movies, and yeah. you know, you know. So it's it's a real privilege. To and get I'm him excited to, to see the the movies he was talking about. Oh, as well absolutely. And we should say as well, thanks to um, Acast for letting us record here. Um, we've been with Acast for over a year now, and uh, they're lovely people. And so we wish everyone at Acast a big happy Christmas. Yes, well. thank you. And they didn't Acast. tell me to say that. I've just said it. No, because no I'm feeling the love the bat, from being in the room here today. So uh, yeah, shout out to Acast. 
so shall we do some tweets? Last tweets of the year. Uh, and we get a lot of lovely tweets from our listeners. We really, really appreciate it. Um, have you got one over there, Giles? So I've got a tweet here from Jamie Parkinson. Um, hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie, on Twitter. Just finished listening to Blank Podcast with Gary Neville. Uh, a fantastic oh, wow. interview with Charles and Jim. Great to hear the honesty from Gary. A great speaker on loads of topics, not just football. Uh, yeah, Gary, was that was a good podcast. It was an he excellent was podcast, yeah. Really open on that pod. Uh, it was definitely one you could you could learn a lot from. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Gary Neville. That was a while ago, that pod as well. Um, I, I've got one here from uh, JBR Agent about the episode of Dawn French. Uh, which was a great episode. And he's quoted here, head straight in the shit, go in there, feel it. Oh God, it's horrible. It's humiliating. The only way is, the only way out is through. Needed this today. Dawn French is the spirit guide we all need. Thank you, blank pod. <laughs> I can totally agree. Yeah. Dawn French is the spirit guide we all need. And um, yeah, that was some really good advice in that episode. I've got another one here from Right Film Sleep Repeat, which is a very good handle. <laughs> uh, wonderful blank pod this week with the always amazing Dawn French. A wonderful rambling in the best way conversation and i was totally entranced yeah all i was as well at the time and i well, was yeah, i was in the room yeah. um, and i have to say we got a shout out in this week's evening standards oh Jim. yeah we did didn't we? we did yeah for the for the dawn french um podcast all about um billy her daughter at the time saying good night to the wall good night wall which is yeah. uh, which has touched a lot of people and we've had lots of lovely messages about that so it's a good story thank you to the evening standard hey, there we go nice got a lot of thanks spotted by the happy christmas by to the, the guys tabloids. at the evening standard <laughs> have a great christmas guys and and to all our listeners we really appreciate it if you would like to tweet us and let us know your favorite episodes or your favorite bits or bits you've taken away you can our handle is at blank pod and we're also on instagram and facebook and our handle on there is at blank pod. We, we like, like to keep it simple. We like to keep things yeah simple. And you can email us if you'd like to. Our email address is theblankpodcast2018 at gmail.com. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. And that's it. So, Giles, have a great Christmas. And you, Jim. Thanks, mate. And good, happy Christmas to all our listeners. Absolutely. Or whatever you celebrate. I have hope the five a... of you are having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do over the festive period, um, have a wonderful time. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. We will. Goodbye. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.